We were created for a purpose. And we're going to try and figure that out. We were created for a purpose as individuals and as a church. Um, and the way that we fit in as individuals into the kingdom of heaven, all of those things. But first, um, different things are created for different reasons, right? That's the, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, there's, I got a couple of pictures, so here, here's the first picture. This is WD-40. We, we use this on purpose, right? But uh, what does WD-40 stand for? Do we know? Water displacement attempt number 40. Took them 40 tries to figure out how to prevent rust. Now, we don't use it for rust prevention. We use it for a lubricant, right? We got a bolt that won't come out. We squirt it on there. Usually, it's a rusty bolt, so that kind of makes sense. But you got a hinge that's squeaky. We throw that on there, too, okay? Uh, next picture we got. Uh, what's this? Yes. Yeah. What do we use that for? Yeah, we use it, we pack that up, we put our fun things in. Most importantly, we use it to make fun sounds um, and pop, like our necks are popping and things like that. What was it originally made for, though? It's fancy wallpaper. It was the fancy wallpaper. Go figure. I don't know why, um, obviously, did not last, because... There would have been people like me popping out wallpaper, right? That's just the way it works. So and this is the last one right here. Everyone loves a slinky. Everyone loves a slinky. There's a song about it, right? Now, the slinky, it was originally designed to help stabilize the uh, expensive instruments in World War II on ships as they were floating through the Pacific Ocean, right? And they were stabilizers, basically. And um, later on in the Vietnam War, because they were metal and they were really stretchy in the dense jungle, they used them to, uh, when they couldn't get reception, on an, as an antenna. And now we use them as this dumb toy, right? And it really is dumb because you just, that's all you do with it. You just kind of, right? but it's mesmerizing, isn't it? And you can go down the stairs with it and all kinds of fun things. Those things, though, they were made for a purpose. They had an original thought that they needed to be used for. Still can't get over the bubble wrap thing. Um, that, that was wallpaper, the fancy kind, right? And eventually, though, they were used for something different. And um, from time to time, we use different tools or different objects for something other than what it's intended for, right? Like, how many different things have you used as a hammer that was not a hammer, okay? Like the backside of a stapler. Or for sure a screwdriver, the handle of a screwdriver you use as a hammer. When you don't have a hammer around, you use whatever is around as a hammer. I can remember as a kid using all sorts of various objects as a ball when we didn't have a ball to play with. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, like Friday nights um, when I was in elementary school, Friday nights after um, at, at behind the bleachers at high school football games, we would play cup football and we would use a cup 
because no one would think to bring a football to a football game to play football behind the bleachers. We would use a cup. That's the way it works. And no offense, ladies, but I think that males have a little bit of a leg up when it comes to um, the, we're a little ahead of the curve when it comes to this area of using things outside of their purpose, all right? Because uh, let's be honest, a, a, a male, a boy or a man can turn pretty much any object into a sword and have a sword fight with his buddy, don't you think? And more, more importantly, ladies, you're probably a few strides ahead intellectually and for sure maturity-wise um, that females don't see the need to turn everything they see into a sword and have a sword fight or into a ball or something else dumb. So um, just for what it's worth, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. In our lives, though, we all search for purpose, don't we? We, we wonder what, what our part is, and we do that in different areas of our life. In our job, we, you know, we, it's kind of defined for us. It's called a job description a lot of times. That's your purpose. And for the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at what the purpose and calling of people, um, especially those who are Jesus followers, but the, the purpose and calling of what people really is. And last Sunday, we kicked off 2023 with this challenge to look at Proverbs 16.3. And then Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and all of your plans will succeed. Whatever. What is encompassed in whatever? Whatever, right? Pretty much everything. Whatever is whatever you do. Whatever plans you make, whatever goals you set, whatever areas of growth that you identify, committed to the Lord. And if we do commit our whatevers, then those things will succeed. And committing means that we do something deliberately, right? That's what commitment means, that we do it on purpose. And there's our word, purpose. We are, we're to live our lives committed to the Lord, to live for him on purpose, that we're on track, that we're living for him on a purpose, so um, I think that we can relate, these, uh, relate to these things, both purpose and calling, uh, but I, I want to define them. Uh, so over the next few weeks while we're talking about it, we're all on the same page. And uh, I think that, uh, it, it, that, we kinda, that way we all understand where we're coming from. Because it, it's important that we know. So purpose, and this is in our context especially, but uh, purpose is the reason for which something exists, okay? That's the definition, the dictionary definition. Why it's made, why it's created. Simply put, what we were made to do, okay? That's our purpose, what we were made to do. The items we talked about before, the bubble wrap and the slinky and the WD-40, they were all made for a reason, right? They all had a means to an end, and now they've evolved over time, and they're used for different things, but it's, uh, it started for a specific reason. And you and I, we have a purpose. All mankind has the same purpose, actually. And our purpose, you and me, and everyone else in this world, our job, our purpose is to glorify God. That's our job. It's our purpose. That's our life. That our lives were put into place to point everything around us, everything that we have, 
to glorify God. So your purpose is the same as my purpose. And our purpose is the same as the, those purpose over there at uh, Life Church. And there, our whole purpose is the same as those across the other side of the world. Okay? Those, uh, everyone on this earth that was created in God's image, which is all of mankind, our purpose is to glorify God. And the reason we're here on earth is always kind of a big question for people. Okay? Uh, and <clears throat> for Jesus followers, for those who have claimed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, the question, um, it's a little easier to identify our purpose because we have hope. Our hope is in Jesus. We, we talked a lot about hope during the Christmas season, right? And our hope is in Jesus, and it makes it easy for us to identify our purpose. For those who are not Jesus followers, haven't taken that step of faith yet, the questions are still out there. Um, like questions about where I fit into life and what is life all about? Where do, what do I do to have meaning in this world? Mark Twain, uh, he wrote about finding purpose, and he said this, that the, there's two, the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. And Jesus followers, the second day in that quote, it would be the day we come into this grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our understanding. And that's our goal. That's our mission here at Emporia First Church, is to lead others into a grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where we want others to come to. And our purpose is to glorify God. And how do we glorify God? How do we do that? Well, hopefully we can unpack that a little bit. <coughs> but Rick Warren, he wrote a uh, a little bitty book uh, back in the 90s. It was called A Purpose-Driven Life. You remember that one? Uh, kind of a small book, um, sold a couple of copies. And uh, he breaks it down into five different areas of finding purpose. Fellowship and worship and discipleship and ministry and mission. Just five different areas. A.W. Tozer, he's a theologian um, not too long ago, and he shared similar ways to spend your life, glorifying God, same things. But no matter how you do it, no matter what your method is, our job, our purpose in life is to glorify God. Now calling, calling's a little different. Calling, this will be our primary focus over the next few weeks as we're talking about purpose and calling. It's easy to talk about purpose because ours is all the same. It's to glorify God. So if I say, what's our, what's our purpose? You're going to say, Glorify God. That's easy, right? Calling, it's a little, little more uh, muddy sometimes for us. But our, a calling, here's the dictionary definition. It's a strong impulse or inclination toward a particular action, accompanied by a conviction of divine influence. So there's two things involved in a calling, okay? A strong impulse or inclination toward a particular action. That's the gift that you have, accompanied by a divine influence. That's who provided it for you, right? So simply put, it's what you're skilled at and for what purpose you use it, right? Just, just like we all have a purpose, everyone has calling in their lives, okay? 
And um, it's, sometimes it's hard to identify what our calling in our life is. Now, our purpose is the same. It's to glorify God. You've you got to catch on. okay? <laughs> but our calling is unique to us. Calling is unique. It's those talents that you have, the traits that you have, the ability that God has given you, the impulse or inclination of a particular action, right? The abilities that you have that we've been gifted with. It's unique to you. And um, it, it's unique. Uh, it's unique. It's that unique means uh, that we individually utilize to fulfill the purpose for why God created us, to glorify Him. Now, your calling is unique to you. The, the great things, the talents that you've, that you've been blessed with, they're unique to you. Now, they may not be unique in general, right? Because there were four people up here singing. And so they have the same calling, the same abilities, same talents. They can sing. So they're not really unique in general. But then you throw in their different walk of life, their different life experiences, the background of life that they have, all of those things, the way they practice, the way they live out their life, all of those things. And the same is true about you and the different skills and talents that you have, right? And so all of those things wrapped up together is what makes your calling unique to you. Because um, uh, those, those things, it puts us into a unique place to serve our purpose. For example, not everyone is called to be a full-time pastor. I, I'm called to be a full-time pastor, and that's what I get to do as a job. That's my vocation, okay? But we're all called to be full-time ministers of the gospel. Jesus, that's one of the last things he did. He commissioned us all to go and make disciples. So y'all are in the same boat I am. I just get to do it as a job. But if you're a a full-time teacher, guess what? You're also a full-time minister. You know, you don't get paid for that one, okay? Yeah, you're, if you're a full-time accountant, still a full-time minister. You're a full-time student, still a full-time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your calling are those things that you do that you're good at, the abilities that you've been given, and are in place to do one thing, and that's to glorify God. So over the next few weeks... We're going to continue to unpack this idea of purpose and calling on our individual lives. And when we look at Scripture and purpose and calling, we can find a lot of examples of people uh, that understood their purpose and their calling and used it to carry out the, the will of God in their lives. So one of those people um, kind of stands out. And uh, one, that individual, he's pivotal in the story of Jesus' arrival, okay? And we just got done celebrating Christmas and in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. So Joseph went up from Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And a couple of weeks ago, as we celebrated Christmas, that, that time, uh, multiple people found ways to glorify God right, who had come to earth. God came down to earth in a body, God in a body, in the form of a baby, 
in a manger, in a barn. Okay? And the shepherds came, and what did they do? Glorified God. They, they worshiped him. Later on, the, 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 the wise men came. What did they do? Glorified God. Because he came to earth. But it's really that, that story, Jesus coming to earth, it really is just the beginning of the end of the beginning of the story. Okay? If you can follow that. And to get more towards the beginning of the story, we have to look back a little bit more. Back to the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you want to find 1 Samuel in your scriptures, you can. Um, ironically, 1 Samuel comes right before 2 Samuel in your Bible um, in the Old Testament. So it goes Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel. It's on page 290 in my Bible. Um, and uh, we'll be there in chapter 16 if uh, you want to find that. But um, we're going to be in the town of David. The town of David, would, but back then they just called it Beth Bethlehem back in 1 Samuel because David really wasn't much of a thing yet. Okay? But when I say the name David, what's the first thing you think of? David and Goliath, right? I would assume that's who, if we took a poll, the first name you say after David is Goliath because that's what David is known for. Even in the secular world, you get outside of church, everyone knows about David and Goliath. You get in the sports world, that's all you talk about. The underdog and the, over the highest rated and the lowest rated. It's a David and Goliath story, right? And when David encountered Goliath, he was using one of the callings on his life. Something that he was really good at. One of the, and, and it was used to fulfill his purpose. To glorify God. To point everything that he had towards God. But if you uh, know David's story and you know who he is, there's way more to David than a slingshot, right? Okay? The slingshot is what got him in front of the giant. The slingshot is, was just a, a way to get him in front of Goliath. But um, he had a lot more going for him, okay? And, and uh, he, was, he was just one of David's callings and one talent that he had. David, from a very young age, was full of this strong impulse or inclination towards a particular action. He had a lot of particular actions, and he was very strong with this. He had a deep conviction of divine influence on his life, this definition of calling. David was a gifted shepherd, okay? He, he was gifted at the slingshot, right? Which he was a legend for that, obviously, but he was also a gifted musician. Playing the harp is what got David his first job outside of the home. And we'll read about that later on. And he was a gifted poet. He was a great writer. He's attributed to 73 of the Psalms in our Bible, in our scripture. Okay? David was a gifted warrior on the battlefield. He was attributed with unmatched faith in God, and we read about that in Hebrews chapter 11. We talked about that back by around Thanksgiving time in, in this time of, of uh, this hall of faith chapter. And it's just a, a quick little uh, crossover about by faith David, but he's there because of his faith and how great it was. And so it was all used. He's, he's this Swiss army knife 
of, of great things, that, of calling on David's life. And he could just pull out, he'd pull out the scissors, and then he'd pull out the knife, and then the can opener. Whenever he needed it, he'd have it there with him. And you're the same way. You have all of those things. You have a can opener, even though you may not know it. And the toothpick is always in there, too. I love the Swiss Army knife, but you always might not have it. And do you ever have the one with the tweezers? It's always on the other end, okay? The Swiss Army knife is awesome, but you're a part of that. You're not just a one-trick pony, right? You've got lots in you that God has put in there to use to glorify him. You don't have just one calling on your life. You have one purpose, but you have many callings. And we're going to try and unpack all that this, in this time. So David's purpose, it was the same as ours. And his calling, though, his calling started with a heart for God. Okay, that's, that's where it starts. It starts right here. And that's what the rest of the day is all about. Okay, you can't find your calling and develop that purpose of glorifying God in everything you do until you have a heart for God. So we see that our purpose and calling stems from this faith in God. And nothing, you know, it has nothing to do with how good you are, right? Nothing to do with how big and strong you are or if you get great grades, or nothing to do with the type of leader you are in the community. doesn't matter what kind of status or power you have. It uh, doesn't matter. Uh, it, all it has to do is with your heart and your relationship with God. And um, that's the one, the, the one thing that, that we have to, to glorify. And so it's all described for us when we meet David in Samuel chapter 16. And we'll start in verse 6. Now, Samuel was charged with taking, um, going to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's dad. And God told Samuel, Samuel is the prophet, God's man, uh, mouthpiece on the earth. And he sends Samuel to pick the next king of Israel. Saul was the king. He was not God's king. Now, the spirit of God was on him, but God did not pick him. The Israelites picked him. God didn't want the Israelites to have a king. God wanted to be the Israelites' king. Okay? And that's important for us to know, that God wants to be number one in our lives. He doesn't want us to, to have a mediator. He doesn't want us to go through somebody else to be number one in our lives. So he sent Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Samuel reluctantly goes because he was afraid for his life. He was afraid that Saul might find out and kill him. But he goes anyway because he's a good prophet and does what God tells him to do. And we pick up in verse 6. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought. Eliab is the oldest son of Jesse. Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed hand stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things of pe that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. It's too bad. He called him this one. The Lord has not chosen this one either. He just passed him by. Get out of here. And the Lord looks, uh, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had then um, Shema 
passed by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Like seven wasn't enough. Are these all the sons you have? And Jesse said, they're still the youngest. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had brought him in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. That's the word of the Lord today. A lot of ways we can identify with David. In a lot of ways. We get a little piece of his underdog story. Because he was the true underdog And it's true, right? The David and Goliath thing is real, but David was the underdog way before Goliath, right? He was son number eight. Are you kidding me? He was the Hakaton, okay? The the Hebrew is Hakaton, right? Everybody say it, Hakaton. You got to get that little thing in the back of your throat and let it wiggle a little bit, right? In sinus season, it's really easy to do. Hakaton, let it go. Just let it fly out there. All right, you spit on your neighbor, it's okay, COVID's not a thing anymore, all right? But he's the runt, that's what that means. He's the littlest, not just the youngest, he's the runt. He doesn't get all the food, the scraps, all those things. He wasn't even there when he was uh, in culture, in that culture, in those times, son number eight was just a jag, just a guy. That's all it meant, he was just a guy. He didn't even really get to be son of anything. If Jesse would have died, David would have gotten nothing, okay? He, he didn't have anything. He was kind of an afterthought. So when, Jesse, when Samuel asked Jesse to assemble the sons, uh, a couple of things probably happened, okay? Jesse might have forgot he even had an eighth son, right? It's possible. When you have eight sons and you're getting up there in age, maybe he forgot, right? David possibly was not even viewed as a son because he was number eight. Maybe, maybe you kind of run out by six or seven and you don't even get considered to be a son. Jesse didn't feel that he, maybe he didn't even feel it was important. He wasn't even important enough to be included. But for whatever reason, whatever the case was, David was not invited to the party when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. And maybe... You share similar things in your family. Maybe you feel that way. In your, you don't feel like you belong. Maybe you're not a part of things. Um, and you can share in the same things that David shared. Maybe you're viewed as having a strong reputation. I don't know. But, um, or a strong presence. Um, but that was not David's case. Okay? Again, David, he was this little fella. Okay? He was a runt. But the oldest brother, Eliab... Oh, he was a stud, right? Big dude. He was your stereotypical 6'5", 225, chiseled, six-pack, CrossFit hero guy. I mean, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God didn't choose him to be the king. 
Abinadab, number two, brother number two, another beautiful man goes by. Jesse must have had the, he was, must have been a good looking guy to pass down these chains. Even David, he was said that he was a good looking guy too. But um, it was a hard pass by God on, on some number two. And then Shema, number three, four, five, six, all of them go by, seven sons go in front of Samuel, and God reject them all. Now, to be fair, he rejected them all to be king, not as people, right? They still had a purpose, and their job was to glorify God too, but they were not going to be the king. And Samuel turns to Jesse and says, that's all you got? Like, seriously, it's all the sons you have? I came all this way, and then he probably turned to God and said, I came all this way, <laughs> and none of these, none of these seven and he says, well, I still have the youngest, you know, and the translation there is not just young by age, not just young by stature. It, it assumes feeble, okay? It assumes that David, it implies that he's weak. It dismisses David by the nature of his birth order, by the nature of his stature. It assumes that David's just barely a part of the family. But what mattered to God? Because God didn't say Eliab was too weak, did he? Or that he was not a good enough leader. I mean, remember, Samuel was there to usher in the next king of Israel, and they were fixing to have to take over um, lots of, of, of land, which means they needed a conquering hero. They needed a soldier. So a strong leader and soldier would have been very beneficial. Eliab fit the bill just by walking in the room. But God was not impressed with all those surface qualifications. You know who's impressed by all those bells and whistles and the big and the glamorous stuff? Us. You know, you know who's really uh, impressed with the most vocal, flamboyant, um, enthusiastic people? that want to lead and will and drag us along. You know who's impressed by that? Who want to express their opinions and, and scream the loudest? We are. But, and we can even put it in our church setting if you want, right? You know who's impressed with the most updated worship style and the, the best preaching style and the most, uh, the coolest programming events and the small groups and the, what curriculum you're using, all those things. You know who's impressed by that? It's, it's us. We're impressed by that. But in, in, in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16, we get an education about what the most important part of our life is. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. And that right there, it, it should be tattooed across our foreheads. The Lord doesn't look at what people look at. So when you open up Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever you look at social media-wise, whenever you turn the TV on or the news or whatever, just know that the Lord does not look at the things that people look at, okay? People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our purpose is to glorify God. That everything we do and everything we have points to God. Our calling is all the stuff that God's blessed us with. 
that we can use. And I've talked about it before. I, could get a, I can get a guitar and I could play it. And you would be terribly unimpressed because I do not have that gift. Okay? And it, I don't know that it would glorify God a whole lot. I, I, it would not be a joyful noise. The world will tell you, though, that your purpose is make as much money as you can, okay? And get as much influence as you can and step on as many people as you can to do it. Whatever it takes to be as powerful and rich and affluent, whatever it takes, do whatever you can. That's what your purpose is in life, right? Even Samuel, God's man, right? God's chosen prophet, his spokesman on earth, lost sight of what was important because Samuel, he, he was focused on the stacked resume of Eliab and Abinadab and his stature and his appearance, right? And we get enamored a lot of times with the accomplishment-based views as well. It's easy to do because it's always in our face, right? But God looks at the heart. Our purpose is to glorify God. To glorify God in your marriage. Glorify God as a parent. Glorify God in your job. Glorify God in your school. That's our challenge today. It's to live out our purpose. And we look, we'll, we'll look at more about that next week. But as we wrap up, <coughs> sorry. We're, we're focused on our purpose, which is to glorify God. And these questions, I mean, do we do that? Do we, do we glorify God in all that we are? Husbands and wives, the way you pray for each other, and let me be very, very clear that these, these questions are not really for you. They're... They were written for me. I wrote them, but they're written for me. The way you pray for each other, husbands and wives, do, the way you treat each other, the way that you talk to each other, the way that you honor each other, does it glorify God? Because parents, the way that you pray for your kids, the way you treat your kids, just because you're the parent doesn't mean you get to treat them however you feel like. The way that you talk to your kids, the way you discipline them, the way that you teach them, the way that you invest in your kids, does it glorify God? When you're at work, the way that you pray for your job, the way you approach your position, the, the amount of effort that you put into that, and I know it's hard sometimes. The effort that you put into even the tasks that you hate at your job. The, uh, the people that you work with at your job that you would rather just push off the sidewalk sometimes. Not into traffic, just push them off, okay? I'm not going that far. Does it glorify God? Because that's why we're here on this earth. That all we do, that we commit to the Lord whatever we do. And then all of our plans will succeed. 
And again, success in God's eyes, not necessarily ours. Okay? There, we're here on this earth. Our purpose for being is to honor and glorify God with all we do and all we have. And all you've been called to be, all the things that God's blessed you with, is there to glorify God. So if you're a skilled builder, glorify God with your building. If you're a skilled teacher, glorify God with your teaching. If you are a skilled athlete, glorify God with your athletic ability. If you're a skilled singer, glorify God with your voice. If you are skilled with knowledge, then glorify God with the things that you know. Get good grades, kid, kids, right? And the effort part, all those things, it can glorify God. Your parents will be happy too, right? But it can glorify God if you let it. And everything, and point everything you have been given, everything that you've been blessed with, and use it for the glory of God, okay? That's, that's our goal. That's what we're here to do. Next week, we'll continue to look about how David used his calling, the things that he was really good at, the, the slingshot, obviously, and the harp that was really cool, but um, the wisdom that he had and other things as well, and how he used it to, to fulfill his purpose of glorifying God and pointing others towards God, and what happened when he didn't, when he chose not to. So hope you come back next week as we continue to talk about our purpose and our calling. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And uh, there's a lot in our lives that we probably don't recognize sometimes. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with you, we just pray that you will continue to fold back the, the layers of our lives and show us that there is a true calling in our lives. But our, our overall purpose is to glorify you in everything that we do. That no matter what I do, if I'm, if I'm speaking, that if, I'm, if I'm mowing the grass, if I'm driving down the road, whatever the case is, I can glorify you in all that I do. But the, the skills and the abilities that you've given me as a person, as, a, as someone that's made in your image, that I, I can choose to use them for my purpose or to glorify myself. And I just pray that you'll help me in every circumstance to do what my purpose on earth is, and that's to glorify you. Help us all to do that. Help us to take what we're really good at and, first of all, be thankful that you've given us those abilities. And then that we take and we glorify you, that we point others to you with the things that we're good at, that others will come into a grace-filled relationship with you because of what you're called us, our call, your calling on our lives. Lord, as we go this week, just be with us. And as we begin to pray and commit to prayer and commit to inviting others, commit to our, commit our lives to living on purpose for you, that uh, you will open doors that maybe we don't think could even open, that we continue to seek 
and ask and to knock and that you will help us to find and you will answer and that you will open those doors. And we'll be very careful at the end of every day to give you the glory because that's what our purpose is. We love you today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, have a great week. We will see you uh, hopefully either at Bible study tomorrow, intermission this Wednesday, but for sure next week. Be sure and invite somebody to come with you. Have a great afternoon. God bless. Have a wonderful day.